Warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! Hey, this is Lionel from Respawn Radio, the official podcast of AchievementHunter.com, and you're listening to The Bone Bat Show. They are coming at you with tons of Comic-Con coverage, so stick around, get a bone, get a bat, listen to a show. You don't even have to do it necessarily in that order. And while you're at it, check out Respawn Radio. We come out every Tuesday. See you next Tuesday. the bone bat podcast where you can listen to steve and gord it's a kick-ass digital broadcast where we've got dick jokes galore bone bat hi this is chet from uh, love for dead 2 you're listening to the bone bat show Everybody, once again, we are back with Bone Bat Show number thirty. Number thirty, not wow. to be confused with twenty nine B. This is its own separate episode. It's its own deal. Though, Part two of yeah. our Comic Con coverage. Don't get us wrong. Absolutely. I know you waited a week for this. I, I hope it's worth it. It will be worth it because we're talking video games this time. We've got a uh, several. All right, that's enough of that. Yeah, that's we'll we'll stop right there. But uh, we got some very cool uh, interviews from Comic Con. We've got an interview with Chet Falasek from Valve Entertainment talking about Left 4 Dead 2. We've got an interview with Dan and Tom from The Behemoth. And we've got an interview with Dave Grossman from Telltale Games, uh, one of the creators of Monkey Island. So we've got some really cool shit this episode that we'll be getting into in just a second. But first, the music. Tonight you are listening to Click Tracks from Barefoot Barnacle. When I first yeah. heard, heard these, it reminded me so much of like Super Mario Death Metal that I absolutely had to put this in a show. So uh, what we've got are our buddy Jorge again has provided us with some really cool stuff that you'll be listening to in the background tonight. Now these are the foundation for their forthcoming CD. You will not hear these tracks anywhere else. This is a Bone Bat exclusive. This is it. This is the only spot. Exactly. Probably won't do a featured a featured cut, but uh, at least it'll add to the video gamey vibe. The general gaminess of the show is what we're going for. This show is already a little bit gamey, isn't it? I'm gamey. Oh, maybe Who that's knew me. that it would be fucking hotter in Seattle than it was in San Diego? It was 107 degrees here today. That is absolutely outrageous for you people. That's it's right. I said absolutely you ridiculous. It's freaking hot. Do I'm people sweating. in Seattle even own air conditioning? No, we don't. We we own a couple of fans that we've been shifting around the house. It's brutal, dude. Just fucking you have like brutal. a whole house fan? No, we don't. Jeez, got a whole house furnace. <laughs> not, 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 that's not going to do me a lot of good right now. Right uh, now, I'm pretty much subsisting off of of cold beer and lime popsicles. 
Thank God you've got the lime popsicles. Yeah, to, you know, help counter the beer. Don't mix them, though. It's not like putting a lime on your Corona. <laughs> How do you know? Have you tried it? Actually, no. I can't say I have. I'm just Once guessing. again, you don't know shit. We mock what we do not understand. <laughs> so, uh, back to Comic-Con. Uh, again, we had a great time down there. Uh, but uh, there was something else about Comic-Con that pisses me off. What pisses you off about Comic-Con, Steve? Okay, the exclusive toy deal. Oh, man, was that a jack fest? What was that all about? Fucking bullshit. Okay. That was like some Soviet-era, bureaucratic, Kafka-esque, you-can't-get-here-from-there horseshit. What, what that so, was. so I had a couple of, you know, friendly fellow podcasters who knew that I was going to be in San Diego. They were looking for some cool toys because, you know, the, the different toy producers each year will come out with uh, exclusives just for Comic-Con. And so these uh, are things that a lot of folks like to collect. So I talked to a couple of people. Yeah, I'm going to be there. I'll, I'll try to pick them up for you if I can. So uh, the first day we get there, uh, there's something I got to get at the Mattel booth, something I got to get at the Hasbro booth. So I, I go to the booth and there's a line there. The, the lines are just ridiculously too long on Friday. So I didn't even really try too hard to get in there because it was like an hour lines. We had interviews coming up, had things to do, had to move on. So came back later in the day when the lines were shorter and tried to get in the line. And we're told, no, 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 sir. I'm sorry. You have to have a fast pass like fucking Disneyland. Now, since I, okay, fine, I'll play. Where do you get a fast pass? Upstairs in room, you know, 2000 in the big registration room. <laughs> Past in, the Jaguar. In, yeah, in aisle eight. Well, I was just up there. Why doesn't anybody tell me these things? It's hard to understand the size of the Comic-Con, the San Diego Convention Center complex. It is huge. Yeah, it, it looks big from the outside, but when you're on the inside, on foot. it unfolds upon itself like some multi-dimensional storage compartment. It's it's amazing. It just goes forever. My God, it's full of stars. Uh, yeah, it's a football field in width. And then there's 52 aisles. From, yeah, so it's like it's like north a football field wide, and then it's as long as my penis. <laughs> so yeah, I mean the place is huge, and so if you have to go upstairs, wading through rock concert type crowds of people to get to this other thing, it's damn near impossible. So okay, so I go upstairs. So the next morning we get there early, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make an effort at this. So we, we, we go in early. I'm waving around my press pass like it's... Oh, yeah. He was just swinging that thing around like an exhibitionist. He yeah, was like, like yeah, it was press, my press, cock. Press. I'm press. Who, the get podcast. the fuck out of the power of the press. Listeners. Haven't you heard of the power of the press? So, you know, we, we get upstairs. I'm able to get passes for Hasbro. Awesome. Okay, so we're cool. But Mattel, there's nobody fucking there. The booth is empty. There's no signs. Nothing. No one is there. So... We go down, do some more interviews, do stuff we have to do. I finally get to the Mattel booth, and I ask, I, I try to get in the line because there's a little short line. No, I'm sorry, sir, you, you need a fast pass. Well, there was nobody upstairs to get a pass from. Well, I'm sorry, I can't let you in this line without a pass. So at this point, I'm pretty infuriated. I'm walking out of the line, and this guy comes up to me that's carrying two big shopping bags of fucking toys. And the guy says, hey... Hey, I've got passes. Uh, okay, well, wh what do you got? Well, I have, I've got passes for right now. And he pulls out, like, a stack 
of maybe 30, like they were Pokemon cards or something. He pulls out a stack of fast passes with different times on them. Yeah, I've got one right now. You want to give me a little something for it? What? So you blew him. No. And I'm like, okay, what do you want? 20 bucks? 20 bucks to buy something for a guy across the nation that, you know, certainly I'm on friendly terms with, but 20? I don't know if he wants to spend that. I'm not going to spend that. So I'm like, no, I, I cannot pay 20 bucks for the right to buy a toy. Can't do it. Oh, okay, 10 then. No, fuck you. And I turned around and I just walked off. So later on that afternoon, after like two or three o'clock, when all the fast passes were done, then you could go in that line. And so I returned at three o'clock and got in the line. And the things that that gentleman wanted were all sold out by that point. So unfortunately, I wasn't able to close the deal. I'm very sorry to Dave from Drunken Zombie that I I couldn't do a better job. But it it was fucking infuriating, and the entire toy experience pisses me off. Now Hasbro, on the other hand, try this. This thing was so bad. I I mock Steve's failures. There, there's no secret to that. But this thing was so screwed up. I can't even mock Steve not getting this thing done because he tried his ass off, and he was thwarted by this. Stupid! It's like okay, you gotta pay money to come to the convention to walk in the door, and then you gotta go and, and stand in a line to get in, and then go stand in another line to get a pass that allows you to stand in yet another line for the privilege to pay somebody else some more money for their little doll. Yeah, I'm, fuck I'm, you. Yeah, I'm, I'm. Frankly, I'm fucking tired of talking about it. I was able to score some mighty mugs for uh, Jeff from It Came From The Basement, and uh, I hope you're enjoying them, Jeff. That worked out perfectly. Uh, Hasbro was much more intelligent about things, and I was able to get that done. So, I, again, apologies to Dave, but what are you going to do? Sorry, man. So, dude, what pisses you off? Okay, we've, heard, we've, heard a lot of, we've heard a lot out of me, but what That's pisses true. you off? We've heard quite enough out of you, young Maybe man. Maybe too much out of me. You know what pisses me off? What pisses you off? Is these selfish parents who take their little kids oh. to Comic-Con as if they're doing them a favor. These little kids that are in a stroller, right? So not only are they trying to push a stroller through essentially a rock band crowd, the, the kid is getting nothing out of this unless he's really, really into looking at sweaty butts. Because that's all you can see from down there. And the actual grown-up people that are at the convention trying to walk the floor are constantly getting tripped by this you know this thing that's down at knee level which you know god forbid you actually do trip and fall on it because there's you know little humans in there it sucks you people keep your children i'll get a babysitter yeah, get a fucking don't attend that's no that's kidding. that's all it's for a- you you're torturing your kid and you're making everyone else around you miserable you piss me off you know i have no doubt that a 10 year old a 12 year old could have a great time at comic-con but little kids it's just it's an unwieldy thing at best to try to get them through unscathed and you shouldn't even try i, I don't see how you could have a satisfying con experience with a little kid there and I don't see how the kid can have a satisfying Yeah, the kid's going to get worn out and, you know, be hating it by midday. I don't know. Just as a parent, there's no fucking way I would even try. In a few yeah, years, I was getting overwhelmed bring and, like, in a couple round of in the crowd. Yeah. In a few and years, I'm almost then. normal sized. Right. <laughs> almost. Very close. <laughs> 
So, video games are what we're going to talk about this episode. Uh, there's a pretty big focus at Comic-Con on video games, and us being the video game fans that we are, we jumped right in feet first, uh, checking out some new stuff that's coming out in the future, and uh, taking a, you know, a little bit of a look back at some of the stuff that we like from the past. Indeed. All right, so uh, The Behemoth. The Behemoth, yeah. God, you know, from, from the, the first time I played Alien Hominid, I I kind of fell in love with these guys because they, back when they were trying really hard, all the video games were trying really hard to be more and more and more real and more dark and more, you know, hyper cell shaded, drop shadowed, whatever the crap. Here comes this really fun, clearly hand painted side scrolling shooter with a lot of humor, a lot of creativity, and it was called Alien Hominid. And then they followed that up with Castle Crashers, which I play with my kids. It's a really fun, once again, just kind of a hack-and-slash, hand-painted looking, you know, it looks like a cartoon. And it's it's got humor, it's it's a lot of fun, it's got a lot of legs for how, how cheap the game is. You can play that thing for a long time, unlocking new characters and new power-ups and whatever. So they, they've got a third game coming out, and they have got a working title of the game, it's called, uh, at this point, this isn't the final title, but the game is called Game 3. Very creative. And it's just a collection of, uh, of these mini-games, really. And they had a working demo that played three of the, I don't know how many mini-games are going to be, you know, ten or so. And it had that same look to it, the same hand-painted, fun stuff. And we were lucky enough to interview the brains and the art behind all those games that would be uh dan paladin the artist and um tom and the other guy the programmer tom fulp that's right and here's what they had to say This is Gord. This is Steve from the Bone Bat Show. And we're here with Tom Fulp and Dan Paladin from the Behemoth, the Behemoth Games, the Behemoth Game, just the Behemoth, what are you, the Behemoth. (laughs) Yeah, just the Behemoth. All right. These guys are the ones who made, wasted way too much of my time with Alien Hominid, then Alien Hominid again when I got the Xbox, then the incomparable Castle Crashers and my kids love, and then the upcoming third game, which is titled so far Game 3. Yeah, Game Three is just a uh, working title test thing until we announce what it is really called. But yeah, we're calling it Game Three. What can you tell us about the new game so far? Uh, boy, I can tell you you can customize your characters. You can you can choose your head shape, your face, and your weapon. You can also change your color. And I can tell you that there's versus and there's also cooperative modes. There's a story, and it's also online. And um, you, there's three different ways that we're showing how to play, and you can play that at Comic-Con if you come down. Excellent. So your games, what makes your games so cool and so appealing is that they are they went in a direction which was uncool when, when you guys started making games. I mean, everyone's trying to get more and more real, more and more 3D, and you went with the hand-painted, you stuck to fun, 2D, almost side-scrolling shooters, the kind that we have punked tons and tons of quarters into as kids. As a kid, how many quarters a week did you dump into arcade video games? How many did you do? 
Oh, it was, it was actually, you would think it was a lot, but it was like between like a dollar and five dollars. Like five dollars was like magic at the arcade. It was like 20 quarters and you get to spend, you know, all afternoon there. So, so it really didn't take much to have a lot of fun back then. That's true. My, my arcade had like a little special. So if you paid like 10, you'd actually get like 20 or something like that. And my mom would always take me down there and it was <laughs> awesome. It was so cool. And I was, we'd have so many coins that I couldn't Excuse like me? put them anywhere. But, uh, yeah, we grew up on all those games, and I think that's why we keep going with them, because there was nothing ever wrong with them. So no, It seems of, like there's a timeless appeal to them, because as a 41-year-old bastard with a 6-year-old and a 9-year-old, we all really, really groove on these games, especially the Castle Crashers characters. I mean, my kids wanted me to make them Castle Crashers shirts. They, oh, awesome. they liked them so much. So. Nice. Um, oh, that's right. You brought that that's photo right. sure the other day. Yeah. I'll send you a big one if you want. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of the things about the game is, you know, it mixes the kind of the brutal with the cute, and it's just no nonsense. You're immediately into the fun. You know, there isn't a lot of cutscenes and front stories. A little bit, but mostly it's no just nonsense. here you go. It's time yeah. to go. It's time to have a great time. And that's that's what the games are about. Well, thanks. Yeah, yeah, we don't have that elaborate of any story. I think game three has a, maybe a little bit more story, but not much. <laughs> Perfect. I think you're sticking what works. Will you, and you can customize characters. Will you be able to earn hats like you could in Alien Hominid? Well, I don't. I don't know about that. I mean, the the faces. There's, we have lots and lots of faces that you can change. So, say you you say, oh, I want my head to be the shape of a cube, and then all of a sudden there's all these faces that can fit on the cube that you that you achieve, and you also achieve weapons and unlock new areas to play and things like that and you unlock different ways to play as well so i don't know about hats specifically but you can unlock a lot of things but you'll keep earning things and keep making you want to go back and back oh, yeah. and that's the genius of the game i think because that's what my kids are really into too that oh they the blue knight and i really got to power up and i got to get that next weapon where do you find the fish yeah <laughs> yeah yeah lots of lots of little rewards everywhere we we know people like that stuff and uh we try. That, that takes a long time to make enough things for people to keep earning something. Because, you know, it's like, ah, we got to have enough in there for them, you know? For uh, Castle, I think it was, what was it, 25 characters? characters? Something like that, yeah. yeah. In the 20s and so a that lot took of weapons. a while. We had, like, a big <laughs> spreadsheet for all the weapons and characters to keep track of them. Otherwise, yeah. it's impossible. How long have you guys been collaborating, making games? Or have you collaborated? 2001 might have been when we start making flash games together. Yeah. yeah. And then I don't know if 2002 was the web version of Alien Hominid. Yeah, it was something like there. no. Yeah, I think 2001 was was Alien Hominid, wasn't it? Yeah, it might have 2000 been. Because we did we did Sack Smash before Alien yeah. Hominid. But. Nobody really knows about our first game, or ever wants to talk about our first game. What was your first game? Well, it was Nobody just like knows. a you were going through the snow. And you were this guy who had this gigantic ball sack, and you were jumping, <laughs> and you would smash gnomes because there's these like, there's, like With these your little, nutsack? Well, the, yeah, because the gnomes so are the gnomes are evil, but like there's these little there's little kids in the forest, so you have to be careful not to smash the kids. With your nutsack, of course. Right, you have yeah. to get the evil gnomes. So, you know, that was the first thing we made, and it was just like, ha, ha, ha. And then, you know, the the crowd was split. It was, some people were really offended, and some people thought it was great. And we made another one the next year, you know, in between it all. So, 
you know, we just made stuff that we just thought were, was funny, and we would just make it pretty quickly. So Alien Hominid, we never knew was going <laughs> to become a console game or anything. Were you guys in college together or high school or something? No, I, I just, I was, I used to go on the Newgrounds.com all the time, this Tom site, and um, I noticed that Tom made lots of different games and different videos, <laughs> and I always thought they were real funny. So you yeah. said, hey, I got this idea about a big nutsack and some evil gnomes. Yeah, so I just sent him a sketch, and he was like, okay, cool, let's do it. <laughs> right on. Yeah, so that's how, that's how I met Tom, was just emailing him. And we didn't actually meet until, like... Yeah, we didn't meet until we were forming the behemoth to make the console version. Yeah, that so. was way down the road. Yeah. So, question, I was asking Tom uh, a little bit, what is the deal with the second level of Alien Hominid? That, that is busting my ass. Yeah, as I was saying, it's a, it was actually a lot harder than it ended up being. Uh, in the original version, if you were standing on a car and it got blown up, it, you didn't automatically jump off. You know, you just fall to the ground, and there was a lot more bullets. And uh, I don't know, there was a lot of things that got, like, fine-tuned to, like, make that so much better than it was. But it still ended up being, you know, one of the hardest levels <laughs> in the game. Yeah, it's so much fun, but hard. We'll get through it. Because one of those brings things... somebody, it gets so much harder. Yeah, like, yeah. if you go through single player, oh, really? it's a lot easier because... If there's another guy like smashing all the cars, yeah. you start losing all the platforms. So that's yeah, like especially when it's a six-year-old, you know. <laughs> yeah. Just smashing things is part and parcel of what that I, kid's about. I've heard a lot of people say they've never gotten past that level, <laughs> which is another reason why we made Castle Crashers a little more accessible in yeah. general. Because I was like, but we we have so much more for them to see. You know, I want them to see everything. Right. So we tried to make Castle Crashers a little more toned down, yeah. so people could go through. Yeah, it's fun though. Great game. Thanks. So when what's the ETA on Game Three? Uh, we, well, we said 2010 in our trailer, okay. so I guess that's what we we stuck with. Still shooting for 2010. <laughs> yeah, 2000. we're making great progress. So, yeah. well, we can't uh, wait to to play the game. It's gonna Thank be you. awesome. Thanks. So, uh, no Bone Bat Show interview would be complete without uh, what pisses you guys off? Pisses you off, Tom. Uh, trying to go to dinner after Comic Con <laughs> when everybody from Comic Con like goes into the gas lamp area. And every single restaurant is swarmed. No shit. Yeah, we waited like uh, for an hour for mediocre barbecue last night. Yeah, it's a mess. How about you, Dan? Oh, jeez, I don't know. Just I'm just gonna wrap it all up into one big thing. Just misunderstandings. I don't like them. <laughs> I don't understand. I just don't. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Those things, like big misunderstandings. Like I tried to get in today, and they wanted to kick me out. <laughs> so, you know, those things. Lovely. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks well, for your time. We really appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk with us. Thanks. Okay. Thanks. So that was Dan and Tom from Behemoth. I really enjoyed that interview. That was a I lot did. of fun. I did. It's not every interview you get where you get to discuss dropping a giant nutsack on a gnome. <laughs> no shit. In the snow. But yeah, they, they, their games are so fun. I found Castle Crashers. You got us hooked on Castle Crashers. And uh, my son has also played the game completely through once and is involved now with like collecting all the different characters that you can play as. Because you can collect characters to play as, you can collect the characters' pets, you can Mm -hmm. collect weapons, 
I, there, there, there's just a ton of replay value in Castle Crashers that, that makes a lot of fun. Now, I'm new to Alien Hominid. We just downloaded that one a couple of weeks ago. And like I said in the interview, the, the second level, which is this car level where you're going along at high speeds, riding on the roofs of cars, trying you to shoot... You can get into the cars, too. Did you know right, that? Right, yeah, yeah. Trying to oh. shoot men in black without getting knocked off onto the blacktop and leaving, like, a mile of road rash. It's absolutely hard and we're having a hell of a time with it but it's a lot of fun so uh, everything that i have seen that the behemoth have done so far has been just a blast hey have you ever set that game on the kid-friendly settings to take the gore away the gore you know the animated blood no alien hominid yeah there's a setting you could do that and instead of bleeding um flowers come out of everybody (laughs) (laughs) pretty funny No, I didn't know that. So you go and like bite a guy's head off and a bunch of flowers shoot out. That's great. So uh, another game that uh, I've been a big fan of for years and years since I played the first one on my Amiga back in the day is The Secret of Monkey Island. So you've how is it you've never played any of the LucasArts Monkey Island games? I don't know. I never played Leisure Suit Larry either. I somehow missed these. Did you miss all the LucasArts stuff like uh, Maniac Mansion or Full Throttle? Did you play any of those graphic adventures? No, I never did. Wow. Because there's, there's some fun stuff there. Um, I guess I've never really been into adventure games. I want to shoot. I want to drive. I want to fly. I don't want to type or think or have an adventure. Well, sure. But, I mean, back in those days, it was before there was decent first-person shooters. Yeah, so and you're, in you're, which case coming, I would play a side-scrolling shooter. Yeah, you, I, just, I was never from, into the adventure games. You're coming from the Zork days and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. the, you know, this was kind of the, the next level of that. Anyway, the Monkey Island series is, is a, a very fun, kind of lighthearted series where you, it follows the, the adventures of this guy named Guybrush Threepwood who wants to be a pirate. And he's thwarted at every turn. Nobody wants to help him out. He has to kind of solve quests along the way to become a pirate. And then his, his love gets stolen away by the ghost pirate LeChuck. And so, we, you know, I've been doing his adventures for years, sharing them with the kids. And it's, it's really cool stuff. So it was really neat to have a few minutes to talk with Dave Grossman about the latest uh, of the Monkey Island series. So uh, let's uh, listen to that. This is Stephen Gord from the Bone Bat Show, and we're here chatting with Dave Grossman from Telltale Games, who uh, is giving us the scoop on the latest Monkey Island game. Uh, how you doing, Dave? Uh, I'm doing well. Hi. How's it well, going? Very well. Uh, I am a longtime fan of the series. I, I was just mentioning to you that I am currently on my third playthrough on Secret of Monkey Island with the new release of uh, Monkey Island SE on the Xbox. And I'm uh, just a big fan of the series, and I was pretty excited to see that you guys have a new game coming out. We do indeed. It's uh, Tales of Monkey Island, which is actually five, count them five, games in one. It's uh, an episodic series which uh, continues uh, a little bit after where we left off with uh, Escape from Monkey Island, but uh, actually is a a perfectly good place for um, a new viewer to to jump in. 
we, we leave some a little mental gap to kind of start things over. Well, and I assume that all of our favorite characters, such as Guybrush Threepwood, Elaine Marley, and the pirate ghost LeChuck are all uh, with us again? They are indeed uh, all with us again. We start off, actually, the beginning of the season with the, with the three of them engaged in a, in a heated battle. Also of note is the uh, the legendary voodoo lady who uh, will be making an appearance in the uh, in the first episode and, and beyond. Very cool. And so uh, I'm wondering, uh, one of my favorite parts of the previous games was the insult sword fighting. Does that make a return in the series? Well, not exactly. We didn't we didn't want to just kind of do the same thing again. So uh, we we do reference it quite a bit actually. Guybrush tries to use it in the in the opening sequence and, and gets cut <laughs> off and can't do it. And uh, it, it's it's kind of like the the uh, the outmoded way for pirates to fight now. Uh, so there is some sword fighting throughout the season, but and it, and it works kind of a little bit differently each time you do it, just to kind of keep things fresh. Nouveau sword fighting. Exactly. That's right. Everybody's got their own their kind of their own fighting styles, like you know kung fu, right? Right. So, so he, that's part of the learning process, kind of, as you adapt. Because the Monkey Island games have always get, been kind of, a, there's a puzzle aspect of trying to figure out how, how does this work together with that in order to achieve the goal that you're trying to get to. Right. It's very sort of uh, creative uh, problem solving is, is at the heart of, of, of kind of your challenges in these games. There's no, uh, no action, no, no dodging or shooting or jumping or anything like that. It's, it's more sort of uh, pondering about how the uh, bizarre collection of items that you've got at hand can, can solve the, whatever problem it is that you're facing. But in addition to that, one of the hallmarks of the series has also been a great sense of humor as well. That's true. The humor is really important in, uh, in, in Monkey Island, and we, uh, we have quite a few of the uh, writers from the original uh, series uh, working with us on this, uh, myself included, and uh, also Mike Stemley from Escape from Monkey Island. And uh, we keep Chuck Jordan around the office. He was one of the guys from, from Curse as well. He's, he's usually not working directly on the series, but we just sort of uh, absorb his aura and, uh, and, and, and apply it to games. So we actually uh, we have the, that aspect um, covered, covered fairly well. But, but I, I would say also that uh, one of the things that makes Monkey Island work really well is the fact that while the the, uh, the sort of moment by moment line by line stuff is really funny, the the, uh, the underlying stories are actually a little bit more more serious. Uh, the very first one is is, is about a you know, young man coming to an island to pursue his life's dream of becoming a pirate, and he finds love along the way. And, and there's nothing inherently hilarious about that. It's just kind of how it's presented that makes it funny. So so it winds up reaching you on more than one level. You you really sort of you you laugh, but then you take something away with you as well. Which absolutely I think attributes to that staying power, as I mentioned. Yeah, I, I'm not playing a game a third time because, uh, you know, it doesn't work. It's, it's got to work on all those levels, and it definitely does. And introducing my kids to it and, and having them, you know, also develop that love for the series has been kind of fun. Yeah. Also, there's there tends to be a lot of kind of extraneous detail in there. You know, the conversations uh, usually have some... Some, some bits that are just in for fun and there's usually some in jokes. you can do with, with, with your inventory that, uh, that aren't necessary to play through the, to, to, to succeed in the game you, you just can do them and so oftentimes if you, if you play through it again there's something else for you to find that you didn't notice the first time why did you guys decide to go with a five-episode uh, series as opposed to a single game? Uh, actually, we like uh, a lot of things about the episodic model. It's, it's really, A, it fits into people's lives kind of better than if we just kind of every three years or so drop you a whole bunch of hours of gameplay and you have to quit your job in order to play it. Um, this, is, this is more <laughs> of a um, at-once epic and casual experience. So, so each month you get you know, maybe three hours or so worth of stuff to do, and so you can finish it by the time the next one comes out the next month. Also, uh, that lets us serialize things. So, for example, the end of the the end of the first episode, which is out now, uh, resolves with a you know a pretty big cliffhanger and some some weighty questions kind of weighing on you. And right now, on on the forums on the Telltale website, uh, people are speculating about a lot of stuff. And that speculation is kind of half the fun. It's it's part of the part of the episodic experience. It's like. Uh, 
if you were watching an episode of say Lost and then going to work the next day and talking about it with it with everybody else who watched it going what do you think this was about what, you know what about yeah. that so, a little bit of water cooler uh, gossip yeah, the water cooler the yeah the water cooler effect exactly the question we ask every single one of our guests musical video game or otherwise though is you, you've got this really happy product you, you've got a, a happy environment you work in and yet there's got to be something that pisses you off what pisses you off well, traffic pisses me off, actually. Uh, uh, and actually, it's starting to get to me around the office now. We're, we've, we've overrun our, our, our studio again, and there's, you know, we're having to stack people vertically. So it's almost as bad as the, well, the trolleys coming to Comic-Con actually have been pretty bad, too. I've been mean, stuffing myself in them along the way. But generally, I'm, you know, I'm very easygoing. Almost nothing gets to me, but, uh, yeah, crowds and traffic. Cool. Right on. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for taking a few minutes to chat with us. Uh, go to uh, www.talesofmi.com to download the game. And uh, thanks very much for chatting with us. Yeah, thank you. Remember the obscure 80s show? Think again. The obscure 80s rewind, a new, improved, sleeker version of your old favorite, is coming at you every week. Join Jay, Stu, Mike, and the occasional guest host as they get down and dirty with your favorite films, music, television, and more, all from the decade that rocked. Look for us on iTunes as the Obscure 80s. That's right. If you were getting us before, you should be getting us now. And you don't even have to change your feed. You can also look for us online at Obscure80s.com and Pennycult.com. The Obscure 80s Rewind. We're here to help you get your 80s fix. This is Tom and Dan from the Behemoth, and you're listening to the Bone Bat Show. Yo, what's up? What's up? Word. <laughs> All right, thanks, Dave. We appreciate your uh, taking the time to speak with us. Uh, you yeah, we find- did that. We like drugged Dave away from his booth, away from his comfort zone. He didn't know what we were all about. He didn't know what we were trying to do. For all he knew, we were going to kidnap him. It was too noisy where we were because there was like, what, the, what was going on? Like right across from his booth, they had like a 25 foot tall stack of speakers like pointed right at his booth and they're doing announcements about Iron Man or something. But we, Yeah, but they were absolutely unintelligible. Oh, yeah, it was just a wall of sound. Yeah, when they got that booth, they probably looked at the floor plan. All right, we got a great booth. And then they got there like, oh, my God, my brain is being compressed as my eardrums are driven into my head. I don't know what's going on. Oh, man. But no, he was super cool. He like he followed us as if we weren't trying to kidnap him. And uh, 
took like a, took really him away nice from guy and it was it was a pleasure speaking with him and telltale games does some fun stuff kind of on, on that family level so they have they've got a game that is, uh, is based on uh, the wallace and gromit license they also do the games for uh, sam and max freelance police the uh, old uh, steve purcell comic which uh, has been there was a i think it, there was a saturday morning tv series of that it was yeah, always, that thing keeps popping up everywhere. I, I like that series. It's, yeah, it's a funny series. The little psychotic rabbit and the kind of idiot dog. It's great yeah. stuff. So uh, it's good to have them. And they also do a Bone video game. Now, I, I know you're a little... Uh, you're not a huge fan of the Bone. <laughs> Such as it is. Yeah, you just... Uh, I've sent you the Bone. You, you don't like it when I give you the Bone. <laughs> Enough with the Bone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they've got the bone license as well, so they do some cool games. Uh, especially uh, if you've got family, uh, you know, it, it's something that you you don't have to be afraid of showing them. Uh, but it's got a good sense of humor that adults like as well. So uh, check out the stuff from Telltale Games. So uh, in the meantime, we had a f- few opportunities to uh, play a couple of games on the floor that aren't out yet, or they might be. What about uh, GI Joe: Rise of Cobra? I don't think that's out. Is not it? quite out yet because the movie's the movie's out pretty soon, so it must be out soon. What'd you yeah. think of that game? We played that for about twenty minutes. Yeah, I don't know. It was fun for the twenty minutes we played it, but that's probably enough. It was a it was a run around and shoot like top down, not like three quarters perspective shooter. Just run around and shoot and blow stuff up, which is fun. But you know, if that game is going to be more than ten, fifteen bucks, I don't think I'd get it. A little bit of a raily so, rail shooter yeah, sort of you're a, definitely on aspect a rail. to it. And the the controls were at times a little bit problematic. It's one of those deals where you're running together in a team, so if your teammate is further behind than you are, you can't progress. Yeah, there were a number of times where and I wanted to shoot at one thing, but it was forcing me to shoot at another thing. And Cause, yeah, because that thing was closer to you. So instead of trying to handle the bigger threat, you were forced to, to, to like you know take out a pop gun while a howitzer is shooting at you. Yeah. Yeah, so, no, I give that one a and pass. Then the, yeah, the tank was a pain in the ass to drive because every time, if you tried to turn it around, the controls would flip based on the perspective of where you were sitting in relation to the tank. And it, it was as difficult to drive it as it was to understand what Steve just said. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a pain in the ass. So, yeah, I didn't love G.I. Joe, and I'm, you know, I'm not in the bag for that license anyway. It's kind of like, I mean, we played with, like, the G.I. Joe with the fuzzy face and the kung fu grip. Yeah. So the, the, this level of G.I. Joe was kind of after us. I don't know. So I wasn't sold on it. You know what, though? I dug the shit out of Dante's Inferno. That that game looks... I mean, the, the visual appeal of that game is is absolutely over the top. That game is crazy looking. Crazy. Crazy fun to watch. Bloody, violent, metal as fuck. Yeah. Now, Steve really liked it. He just already pre-ordered it. Me, I, I don't know. I, I, it's the kind of thing you'd play once. I, I'd play once and probably get bored of halfway through because it looks great. But it's like a little fighting the same kind of guys over and over again and then just in an amazing looking arena and then you have to do a series of moves that you either have to memorize or do you know trial and error over and over and over again and really that's that's not fun that's like the old dragon layer days where you you put your quarter in 
And then you have to go, okay, remember, you push the button, then you go left, left, right, right, up to make things happen. Well, but I, I think that that was partly built in there because you're at Comic-Con and nobody's going to be familiar with the game. So they had to kind of build a tutorial in. I don't think the finished game will be quite that level like you're saying. Yeah, maybe not. Regardless, but, I mean, it did look the, spectacular. The end bosses alone, I thought, were worth the price of admission. Holy cow, those were cool. Yeah, they were cool looking. And you know, and, and, and the violent, other thing is, bloody, I, yeah, I don't have a lot of games of this type. I don't own any of the Gods of War or you know that sort of a game. So yeah. this will fill a niche for me that I don't already have in my collection. I think. Well, but, good for you. But yeah, total eye candy. I, I loved. I loved the look of it. I loved the play of it. I just thought it was a lot of fun, and it has that literary aspect. Like in between the cutscenes, it would have quotes from Dante's Inferno. So you can feel like you're not just a dumbass playing a video game? Exactly. Well, you know, I I listen to nerd rap, too, so I don't feel like a dumbass. So (laughs) I read your comics, so I don't feel like a dumbass. No, you told me you read my comic and do feel like a dumbass. Only the ones I don't get. Anyway, so uh, after that, the uh, final demo that we got to try out was Left 4 Dead 2. We stood in line for that. We, we missed the Venture Brothers panel. The truth can come out now. That's why we missed the Venture Brothers panel, because we had to stand in line for an over an hour to wait to play Left 4 Dead 2. Now, we did get a free t-shirt. Yeah, and we did get people cutting in front of us. Yeah, that was fucked up. But we did get to play a level called a Swamp Fever. So what'd you think, man? You know, I thought it was a lot of fun. I know that you have an almost religious marital relationship with Left 4 Dead that I don't. I, I enjoy playing it. I like playing it with you and and the crew on Tuesday nights. And that's why I keep playing it. And this this is fun. It's, it's more of the same, just an expansion on it. It was cool. I what, like it. it and I'm sure that you probably soiled your pants over it. it well, but it was I, cool. I might have, if not for the controller problems. I had... The controller I had had a problem with kneeling, so you would kneel down to shoot, stay out of the way, and be more accurate, and then you couldn't stand up. So you'd be like trying to basically squat and run at the same time while your oh, that team never works, man. while your team is rapidly disappearing over the horizon. So that kind of you know bothered my experience a little bit. But so did you feel like it was more of the same or an improvement on the previous game? It seemed to be a little bit smoother, a little bit faster um, overall, just you know, a hair better. But it was more of the same. I, I, did, I, don't, I didn't feel like we got enough exposure with the new infected. I got my ass whooped by a charger a couple of times, which is the hulking guy with the big arm. Uh, and then you saw a spitter, right? I saw a spitter, I don't know, three times maybe. Two, really? Two times. I, I don't think times. I, don't I ever saw a spitter. Yeah, you know when the, it would look almost like a laser beam shooting out of the ground, like a bright thing hitting the ground, and then the ground would turn all orange and fiery all around it. And if you were, you know, in that orange fiery stuff, well, I'm sure I saw damage. the orange fiery stuff, but I didn't see the critter it's himself. Oh, you didn't see like the the thing that did it? No, that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I saw us bitter. <laughs> I don't know what the third one is. I don't think they've announced it. But I no, heard I, I heard rumors that, or a picture somewhere, if it was like concept art or what, there was like the Mangler or something, and it had shrapnel stuck in its back, and it could throw shrapnel at you from a distance. Yeah, that's what I heard too. 
but you know <laughs> when I kind of yeah I, I I could be wrong about that, but but when we interviewed Chet. You know, he he didn't really confirm that. So let me- yeah, but he was being real cagey about it because he had to be. He's like, no, we're going to make an announcement later. Oh, okay. Anyway, it was a lot of fun. We had a good time. Another cool thing I think about the Left 4 Dead 2, the witch will be wandering now. A wandering witch. Exactly. So during, da- I guess, Wonderful. daylight time, the witch can show up anywhere and be roaming around. So it's not it going to be as easy to just kind of stalk around her back and wander on through. I like that idea. That's cool. Okay, well, uh, let's listen to Chet Falasek from Valve uh, talk to us a little bit about Left 4 Dead 2. This is Steve from the Bone Bad Show. And this is Gord. And we're sitting here with Chet Falasek from Valve Entertainment, uh, the creators of the game that we talk about all the fucking time on the Bone Bad Show, Left for Dead. Uh, how you doing, Chet? Good, good. Good to have you. And I, I noticed you guys can actually use profanity on your podcast. We, we I, noticed, I noticed that right off. You, you jumped right in. Impressive. I, I have to, you know. There are certain expectations we that are audience. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. So, uh... As soon as we heard the uh, that Left 4 Dead 2 was coming out, we have we were so fired up about this. We have a regular uh, Tuesday night game. A little shout out to the Tuesday night graveyard shift. How you doing, guys? And the emails started flying fast and furious. Oh my God! It's taking place in New Orleans. There's new infected, and uh, we just love the game. What can you tell us about Left 4 Dead 2? So Left 4 Dead 2, like you said, it's, we start in the Deep South. Uh, not many games in the Deep South. And we started in Savannah, and we head through the Deep South into New Orleans. And you actually fight the uh, final campaign is through the French Quarter and down across our version of kind of the Mississippi Bridge meets uh, the UEP Long Bridge. It's not brick for brick New Orleans, but it's it's our representation of that. And it's with four new characters, and those four new characters are meeting three new infected. So we've got the Spitter, the Charger, and one we haven't announced yet. Okay. And, uh, so the charger is the guy, the the hulking one with the big arm who charges. Yes. And the spitter? Uh, throw shrapnel at you? Spits at you. Yeah. What's I the one the that throws the shrapnel? The guy with the credit card. He completely maxes it out every time. That'd be a terrifying zombie, right there. Yeah. Well, except this big giant arm, I think, tips you off there. So. Okay. How did his arm get so giant? We're curious. Slot machines. So all the mutations kind of just grabbed on to people, and you know, it's a, it's a, the the infection is always mutating. It uh, originally had a longer gestation period. It got shorter. The way it has people change is different. It depends on where they are. And in this case, you know, we're a little bit after the first one, so we've got more changes. Interesting, because Gord has one arm bigger than the other for totally different reasons. Yeah, yeah, all right, all right. Hey, 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 hey. It's my trigger finger, man. <laughs> that must be it. Right. So, Chet, I need, I need your help here. We've been playing this game. we got a regular Tuesday night game for over a year now. It's regular versus, and it's okay. standing room only. It's Every week it's packed. Excellent. And frankly, I suck. I'm the worst one in the group. Give me a couple of tips on how I can get a little better in my game. Do you have a son? I do. Can he play for you He's and you six. just use the headset? My wife gets pissed when I even let him watch me blowing right. heads off Zond. Fair zombies. enough. As you can Fair understand. Fair enough. It's mature rate of game. It is. We believe in that. Uh, you know, one of the things people mess up on often, um, especially like I'll get an email that says, hey, when I'm playing Infected, what I'd really like to do instead of waiting to respawn, I'd like to be a common Infected and run in there. 
That tells me one thing, you're not playing as a team. So the co-op nature, the teamwork nature of Left 4 Dead is just as prevalent on the Versus side, playing the Infected, as it is playing the Survivor side. So just make sure you're talking to your team. Work together. When you have a lone hunter pouncing someone, he's going to get bashed off, it's not going to be good. What you need to do is two hunters at a time with the smokers hitting them and the boomer vomits on everybody, right? Yeah, the, the one thing is we tend to play in one group uh, talking party so that we can taunt each other. Because yes. that's the one thing when you're in two groups of four, that it cuts down the taunting. And the game got infinitely more fun when you could talk shit the whole game. Yeah, we so we, we play internally sometimes like that. We've talked about exposing that to make that easier. Um, there's actually even like a TF server that I'll play on where uh, POE can't aim where they actually do this thing um, where they have people reading from a book while you're playing. <laughs> and it's just this like, okay, you're playing the game and it's kind of strange, but it's kind of cool and funny too. So. <laughs> Yeah, we, we've definitely done that as well. But you know what? Just shout it out. You know, you know, you can see, like, say, hold up. We're not ready yet. Yeah. Talking I, code. Get a code going. That's that's a good idea. I, I'm kind of famous for my squeal when hunters jump on me. Ah, hunter! Yeah, he squeals like a little girl. It's, it's, it's pretty embarrassing. I'm known right? for repeating everything three times. <laughs> it's like, hunter on me, hunter on me, hunter on me. It's like, i got to repeat it three times just so he'll show up and take the hunter off me because he's already run away from the group. Well, you see, but there, there, there is that certain bit of tunnel vision when you think you're, oh, yeah. you're sitting there and you're yeah. being huntered and I'm being choked by a smoker. So you, it, it takes a second to get over there. That's all I'm saying. We actually, uh, the character Ellis has, has picked up my trait and will often <laughs> scream multiple times when he sees something. So. so so when you guys did the voice uh, actors, yeah. did so, some of that carried over? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So whenever we're writing for the game, we try to play it a ton. We watch our other playtesters play it. I watch people play it here. But whatever they're saying, you want to capture that. So if they're saying, oh, shit, this is a horrible moment, if the character says, oh, shit, this is a horrible moment, they're like, oh, yeah, this guy's with me, right? They're part of that. It's a part of that experience. So, yeah, we, we, we kind of crib from watching people play and ourselves play all the time. I've got a question. I've been thinking, ever since the first game came out and I heard there was a second, I've been thinking about what the next group of boss zombies were going to be. And I came up with a lot of different ideas, really none of them any good. What is the, what is the worst, most ridiculous rejected boss zombie idea, boss infected idea that you guys came up with? Were there any just terrible ones? Uh, you know, at that point we all knew the game pretty well, that we were all thinking pretty close to it. There's some supernatural ones people came up with. And Left 4 Dead isn't in the supernatural. While it's zombies, it's a... Uh, a grounded infection that has some loose basis in reality um, and we wanted to keep it in there we didn't want to make something that was magical or um, supernatural and so some fell in there and so to me that was like oh no they can't have that or zombies operating equipment or guns I don't know if you ever saw Land of the Dead yeah, yeah the one John Romero zombie movie I'm gonna say wasn't wasn't his best um, when the zombies are picking up the guns and the end scene where they're like don't shoot them they just want to live like us yeah no, they don't I don't want to eat them they want to eat me that's a pretty big difference yeah. <laughs> but it's like that making sure those kind of things don't come into the game and that it stays true to the fiction of the world to me that was like the, when the bad ideas came up there'd be something in there and you know the team you talk to them once about it then those go away and we're working back in the right world right we're all pretty close at understanding the game and understanding the world so well, you guys have been on the cutting edge, the forefront of infected zombie popular culture. And zombies are everywhere. Just right over there, there's a booth of Behemoth, completely different game uh, company, cartoony, hand-drawn looking, and they've got undead in Castle Crashers. Uh, zombies are everywhere. Eventually, it's going to peter out. What's the next big thing? What's the next big thing? You guys are probably going to be on the front of that, too. I don't know. I'm, I'm liking zombies now. I don't see it petering out. Yeah? You think zombies for the next 100 years? 
still making World War II games, aren't they? That's true. And I'm still and with zombies. I'm, with and zombies, yeah. And I'm still playing them and liking them. So, All very right. cool. It's so, not going to be jugglers or, or uh, mines now. Mines? Okay, thank God for that. So, back to the game a little bit. Uh, what new weapons can we expect? So, um, first of all, uh, we've got like an AK-47, we have new different assault rifles besides that, we've got a grenade launcher, uh, new pistols, new SMGs, all kinds of stuff like that, and then melee weapons. Such as the skillet, is that right? This, yes, the frying pan is one of my favorites. Um, we've also got the cricket bat here. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, oh, there's a bunch more coming as well as also we're going to have the chainsaw. We haven't unveiled that yet, and that's pretty much, that's pretty fun. The thing is, so... I've heard in the forums, and I've actually gotten emails, that the Crooked Bat seems out of place down Absolutely south. Absolutely not. Completely disagree. Well, you can search on Google News for Crooked Bat and robbery. There's a man, I think it was in Mississippi or Alabama, that fended off the robbery of his store with a Crooked Bat. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. How did he have that Crooked Bat? What was it doing there? He was a Shaun of the Dead fan. Was it promo we've already set there? Because we got, decided to do the cricket bat and needed to get some history to make it fit? I don't know. And as a famous man once said, sometimes it's good to have a big piece of wood in your hand. Spinal tap, you sick bastard. Spinal tap. Right. <laughs> anyway, okay, uh, one other thing. Uh, just uh, on the controversial side. I've heard some folks bitching online about the fact that there wasn't more kind of uh, DLC or anything for the yeah, DLC that, that to add onto the first game. Yeah, now, and now being as and I'm not just kissing your ass, but being as this, yes, we've played the shit out of this game. If, I feel like I've gotten my see. I've gotten my money out of this game, uh, but you know, uh, so I don't feel too bad about that. Oh. But where, how do you address that? Well, so so we, actually have more, we actually have more DLC coming. Uh, we're going to have an announcement this coming week about the DLC. It's more content, um, and people hopefully will love it. Uh, you know, people see how big this game is. I think a lot of that was just, we came out at E3, and we were talking about Left 4 Dead 2, because that's what we're releasing, and that's what you talk about at E3. And um, some people took that to mean that we were, weren't doing something else. And so as, as we go through the days and months, I'm not worried, right? People will get it. Okay. And it's you fine. You know, and it's cool to see people that passionate about something we worked on and, and loving it that much. Uh, you know, we respect our gamers who play our games and who use Steam, and so, yeah, that's fine. It cool. was a very classy move when Left 4 Dead came out that the DLC to finish, essentially, what I saw as finishing the game was free. You didn't try to jack anybody yeah. to pay an extra ten bucks to get the rest of the game. I think you'd be very loyal to your fans. We try. We try. We, 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 you know, we're gamers ourselves, so we always try to say, you know, what would we expect? What would we want? So do you have, a, is there an ETA for the DLC? <laughs> Um, we'll be talking about that next week. Very cool. Okay. Uh, and, uh, so that's the ETA for the ETA. ETA for the ETA for the DLC. Cool. So uh, one last thing. No uh, Bone Bad interview would be complete without what pisses you off. Okay, so you're from Redmond, right? I am from Redmond. So do you ever take 405 North and get off at Northeast 8th Street? Yes, I do. So it's totally game unrelated. That would be the quicker way for me to get to work. Uh -huh. But the problem there is it's a merge lane. And you go on to Northeast 8th. And you have your own lane. Right. It's created by the exit of the ramp. Yes. So you never need to stop because that is your lane. Yes. Who cares about the oncoming traffic? It is never going to go in that lane because that's your lane. But people stop there all the time. <laughs> and so it would so aggravate me in the morning that I actually take a longer way to work just to avoid that aggravation. <laughs> You'd be surprised. You probably wouldn't be surprised how often traffic comes up. Yeah, that's something that pisses us off. All right. Well, thanks, Chet. I appreciate you spending a few minutes with no us. No problem. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thanks a lot.
Thanks, Chet, for giving us the time. You know, if nothing else, it was also really cool to be in the Xbox booth because that was maybe the most crowded part of the whole show. And when you're up <laughs> elevated above everyone like that, able to cut through, you're like, oh, excuse me, I need to be up there. Now, I, I know you've been standing in line for an hour, but I'm going up there on the stage. Yes, more uh, important than you are. That was pretty fun. Again, power of the press, man. Yeah. You swing that pass around. You're, you're well, weird. I didn't even have a press pass to swing around. I just used all attitude. I was just like, no, hey, I'm, I'm supposed to be up there. Excuse me. I'm going past you now. And, and people got out of the way. It's amazing what you can accomplish with a clipboard and a sense of urgency. <laughs> Especially if you swing the clipboard at people's heads. <laughs> and uh, Chet was telling the truth. This week, actually, a new DLC for Left 4 Dead was announced. It's true. The map is called Crash Course. Uh, evidently, it's supposed to take place between No Mercy and Death Toll, the uh, first two campaigns. Uh, it's supposed to deliver a full... Uh, versus campaign in less than 30 minutes. What do you think of that? I think full frontal would be better, but... <laughs> it also boasts an explosive finale, new locations, new dialogue from the original cast. Also, it says that they've added a recharge timer for infected teammates, and the item spawn behavior has been changed. So I'm not really exactly, sure what that means. What exactly is a recharge charge timer for infected teammates right well i mean there's like your recharge timer would be how long it takes for your tongue to come back if you're a smoker how long it takes for you know your vomit to come back if you're a boomer but beyond that i'm not really sure does that mean that they didn't quite have it right the first time and they fine-tuned that because it does seem like it takes the boomer a long time to recharge yeah i i think it takes all of everybody uh too long to recharge personally so if they cut that time down i'd be pretty happy for game balance yeah that would that would make sense so uh anyway it's due out in september and it sounds pretty cool so the the title alone crash course i'm assuming that this means that uh the helicopter you take off in at the end of no mercy was crash somewhere right of course and See then, i did that <laughs> and then you wander until you come to the back of a couple of car trunks <laughs> See, i don't really think it, it's gonna need to make sense nothing there, there's really no sense to that game between... I don't understand why you keep getting rescued. You like get driven away in a bulletproof tank van thing, and then all of a sudden you're stranded again. Or you hop on a boat and sail out to safety, and all of a sudden you're stranded again. What the hell is up with these people? <laughs> well, I think... Well, isn't somewhere safe, stay there. Isn't each campaign supposed to be kind of like a separate movie, though? If you want to think about it that way, sure. Yeah, so, you know, from a cinematic standpoint, it, it has like a, a beginning and a climax of some sort. So. Well, there you go. So that's the DLC information we have. So pretty cool. We met, Yeah, we managed to work full frontal and climax into the news about it. <laughs> Sweet. So let's, let's take a second to talk about video games a little bit. So we've been, you and I have been playing video games together for years and years. Uh, yeah. When we first on the PC could link up with uh, games like uh, Duke Nukem. Oh, that was the first thing we linked up on. And, I think so, you know, yeah. After downloading and playing Duke Nukem again, it does not. It does not hold up to the test of time. But I, I really have fond memories of that game. And like tying up the phone lines of my house, not allowing my wife to call out or call <laughs> in because I'm playing video games with Steve. Yeah, those those were the days. And then it got to be where we could have more than that. So, you know, our friend Mike would be on sometimes. Uh, some of your other friends, Brewhawk. Yeah, playing Half-Life, playing StarCraft. Yeah, yeah. We there was there, There's been a lot of games. So we've been probably doing a variation on the Tuesday night game for a decade now, I would think. 
Yeah, I think so. It's just moved from the PC to the, the Xbox is all. So what was it like the first video game you remember playing? Well, it would have to be Space Invaders. Space Invaders, like at the video pizza game place? That was out. Yeah, and then there was you know, like Galaga long lines for it. Their kids would have their quarters on there. Yeah, the way that guys would change colors as they'd come down as they had different colors of clear tape on the screen. <laughs> yeah, the glass was colored different. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, yeah. So uh, and like- then Galaga came out, and it was like Space Invaders in color. And they dive bomb you. That was now. How do you that, pronounce that? Is it Galaga? Because that's how I've always pronounced it. But I heard somebody else recently who called it Galaga. Oh yeah, well, they probably say homage too. <laughs> if you know how to pronounce Galaga properly, please call us at two zero six two zero three three one one five and let us know. I've never heard anybody pronounce it any way but Galaga. See, that's the way I, what I thought too. But that happens all the time where I'll pronounce something some way for years and then be corrected because I'm a dumbass. So yeah, sorry about that. So what game systems have you owned? Well, the Atari, the the first Atari system. Did you have anything before that? You know, my dad brought home Pong, but he yeah. was borrowing. Yeah, I had this weird Pong game that had like this silver stick with a ball on it. And it had like seven variations of Pong. Wow. We just had, the, we had the original Pong. It did Pong. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, after a certain amount of... Of Ponging. Ponging, it would just <laughs> Pong for infinity. Yeah, it, it, that was just, you'd had enough Pong. Yeah, and then Atari 2600 came out. Yeah, and I didn't get the upgraded Atari. And then no no video game systems until I got a computer. So what what, car, what cartridges did you have for oh, I the twenty six hundred? Combat was the best. Driving that tank around, the, the one it would bounce off the walls. Boop 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 yeah. boop 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 boop. Yeah, we had that uh, breakout pong. I mean the the breakout pong combo thing. I think was we had yeah one. yeah the combo. We had a Pac Man, and then mm-hmm. Pitfall came out. Pitfall, yeah. Pitfall. Swinging over those snakes. Snakes and holes in the ground. Fuck, I played that a lot. And then that terrible ass adventure game. I didn't have that. I remember like seeing duck. that, like you'd go to the to Sears or whatever, and they would have the Atari hooked up, and you'd like run through there and then go into a little square. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the things in the game, you had if you had a really good imagination, they might look like what they're supposed to be. It was so. Did you ever um, have like a Intellivision or a ColecoVision or any of those? No, nah, none of that stuff. No Sega, Dreamcast, none of that. Yeah, the, the Atari was the last system I had until I went in uh, after college uh, with one of my roommates. I went in and we got the NES, first Nintendo system. We went half and half on that. And so, you know, playing Mario, that was my first, uh, you know, home Super Mario Brothers, which is a blast. Duck Hunt. <laughs> oh, Duck Hunt. The yeah. way you said it, it sounded like something else. Yeah, Duck Hunt. What did you think oh. I said? I thought you said Duck Hunt. <laughs> if you know how to spell Duck Hunt... Please give us a call. <laughs> 206. Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> so, yeah, uh, what else? Shit. Uh, so after that, then uh, we did... Uh, a few years later, we got the Nintendo 64. And then now, currently, I'm, I'm at my most gamed with, uh, of course, PC. So I, I've played a lot of PC games. But uh, we've got both a Wii and an Xbox 360. You're all gamed up, man. What about of course, you? we got the 360. So you, my but kids you, you had game. a few more steps in between, though, didn't you? Didn't you have a no. play, PlayStation at one time? No. Got a GameCube. Game but really, Cube. that was for the kids. Right. And then hand hand games. We've got a couple of DSs floating around. Yeah, this is fascinating. People can listen to all this stuff we've owned. So what are, your, <laughs> uh, some, what are some of your favorite games of all time? 
Well, Duke Nukem, like I said, holds a good place in my heart. Really, my favorite arcade game was uh, Mario Brothers, the original. Really? Where you you were the two plumbers and you're you're fighting the turtles and the crabs and the icebergs and all that. I'd play that with Bake at Safeway after school. Put a lot of quarters in that. That was a great game. Yeah, I was I was always a Donkey Kong guy. That was always my favorite. I loved playing that game. Never got all that far in it, but I always enjoyed it. Yeah, see, that was too hard, but I could get a lot of mileage out of a quarter in Mario Brothers. Yeah. But then I'd like to play like Joust was fun. Yeah. You know, or Zaxxon. Is it Zaxxon or Zaxxon? If you know how to pronounce. I don't know. I think it's DeCunt. (laughs) I think you're right. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, that's good shit. And then, like, PC games. Like you said, Duke Nukem was awesome. I enjoyed playing some of those... uh, like the the LucasArts stuff that we were talking about, Secret of Monkey Island, those were always a blast. Uh, played a little bit of like Mist with Julie. They were okay, the puzzle games, but I, I didn't really love those. But uh, definitely Doom, definitely Quake. You know, when the first person shooters started coming on hot and heavy, and then Half Life was fucking awesome. Yeah, Big Half-Life, fan of Half Life. But that was also when the uh, real time strategies came out, and you could do StarCraft, which is. Yeah, StarCraft is great. We got a lot of mileage, too, out of uh, Command and Conquer. Yeah, that's right, Command and Conquer. Oh, I loved that, that whole series for a long time. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a very good series. So, but you, and you, you tend to like even like a little bit of racing games, right? Only recently have I got into racing games because it seemed like they always came at one of two speeds. Super, super arcadey, just slide side to side, which wasn't very fun. And then like the uber technical, you have to actually know how to drive a race car in order to get past level one. And finally, you know, Forza was more of the, lo- the latter. I was just barely good enough to get a lot of mileage out of that. I'm really looking forward to Blur. That looks like my speed, finally. Yeah. Realistic looking, but driving like a Mario Kart. That's I'm looking forward to that. The trailers have looked insane. Yeah, I've played quite a bit of Mario Kart, and that's a lot of fun. So if you could have a game that's a little more realistic, but has that playability, I'm there. So so what do you? what's your favorite format? Like PC versus console versus handheld? Where do you oh, it used to be PC because it was the most powerful. You you get the best graphics and best games, but now it's it's Xbox. Xbox where it's at. And it's so easy to hook up and play with you and other people on the Xbox. No more of this running extra software and it doesn't work and everyone has to wear matching panties and th- you know, it just it, it was such a convoluted thing to mix and match and make everything work right in order just to play with your friends on the PC. And then I get to the Xbox, and it's like, hey, you want to play a Steve? Yeah, okay, push the button. Ba-da. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely more of a chore on the PC or was. I, you know, I hear good things about Steam nowadays. And Battle.net, I think that they've improved that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, for a while, that was a chore where, you know, on a given night, if you were trying to play something like, uh, uh, what was the, uh, the multiplayer thing that was uh, for Half-Life? Yeah, that Counter Strike, Counter Strike. Oh, and Counter Strike. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of. There were nights where that was tough, where you just were frustrated because you couldn't get a game going. So, are there any games like that you regret not finishing? No, I there kinda, are games I didn't finish, and I'm fine with that. A lot of games I didn't finish. I haven't finished Fallout Three, and I kind of feel like I want to get back to that. Also, Dead Space, which came out like two weeks before Left for Dead, so it's gotten pushed aside. But I was having a lot of fun playing that, so I definitely want to finish that game as well. So, uh, cheating. What about cheating? Do you cheat? Do you cheat? 
I I've been known to look look up a walkthrough online if I'm stuck, but I don't type in God codes ever. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm more likely than you to look up a walkthrough. If something is is just I don't get it and I get frustrated and the game stops being fun, I'll go look up how to get past that thing, whatever that thing is. Right. But it, it's no fun if you like make it so you're invincible. That's right, that's yeah. lame. Yeah, I, I know some folks who who do that. Like they'll get a game and immediately just turn on God mode to knock the game out. <laughs> they want that they want to they want to know how the story ends or how the story goes, but they don't want to be restarting fifty times. Which yeah, I, I, that I don't. I kind of don't get that. So I just yeah, I, I don't get that. So uh, what so what games coming up the rest of the year are you looking forward to? Really, Blur is about it. Well, Blur and Left 4 Dead too. Those are the things I'm looking forward to. Cool. Yeah, I definitely I want to check out Dante's Inferno. Seems like there was another one that's coming out, but uh, I can't think of it at the moment. You know, when it comes to games, and maybe something else will pop up that'll get a great review, but uh, I, I tend to invest a lot of t- time in the small number of games that I do purchase, and I love to uh, check out Zero Punctuation and hit the, the video game reviews on there are always hilarious and, and they tend to be spot on as well. Yeah. He pretty much will take a game and say, this game sucks and here's why. Yeah, he's, Very few games does he does he sign off on. And and on top of it, he makes the them very entertaining. Oh, yeah. It's fun as hell. I'm glad you remembered that. That's a, that's a good call, definitely. That's pretty much it for video games uh, and uh, that was pretty much it for San Diego Comic-Con. So would you go back? Yeah, I would go back, but preferably not the way we went back this time. We got on this flight. Well, first of all, we had to get our baggage, which is insane, because they give you a little tag for your baggage at the hotel. We checked in our bags, and it's numbered, and they put them all down numerically, so it's really easy. You just take the number. It was a 169. It should be between 168 and 170. You grab the bag. But no, they organized them, like, alphabetically by the by color or something, <laughs> and they... They couldn't get our bags back to so, us. So yeah, they, we hand them our tags. Like go in there. They like disappear for the fifteen minutes. Aside. They come back and he comes back with one of our bags and two bags that we've never seen before. Yeah, which and might have like, been a better deal. I'm not sure. Uh, no, uh, those aren't ours. Okay, hold on a moment. So he goes back and we don't see him for like fifteen minutes. Yeah, he's gone. Steve finally just took matters in his own hand. He went in there. He's like, "All right, move over. <laughs> Look, that one and that one." And they were right there. They were tip. right there in the front of the table, so they were easy enough to find. It was just, I guess, a matter of organization or whatever. But matter that was kind of a pain in the ass. So we yeah, get to the then, we get to the airport. Flights delayed a little bit. Yeah, it's delayed. It's crowded, but it's not bad. It's Southwest. You know they're gonna get there. Yeah. But then we get stuck. Well, we I get no. She was right between us. We get stuck on the plane next to this drunk old woman who's just the. Well, I don't know. She must have been. I don't know. Late fifties, maybe. Yeah, yeah, but she's maybe, like but, but fifty hard years. But she, she's wearing like smallish shorts, and she's kind of stuffed into sort of like a, an armless, low cut tank top sweater thing. So her boobs are hanging out, and yeah, so she sits down, and immediately she starts leaning over like she's gonna fall asleep on my shoulder. Oh, she totally elbowed the crap out of me, too. She just claimed the armrest, just like, boom. She did the same uh, thing as, to me as well. And then she leaned forward, and I claimed it back. And I'm just leaning yeah, back. Yeah, I got it back read. when she passed out. And then, she, yeah, she starts passing out and, like, leaning further, further towards me. And I'm, like, leaning out in the aisle. And so then after, I don't know, a while, I'm trying to keep her off of me. And I don't know how long it was, 20 minutes or so, we hit some turbulence. <laughs> oh, shit. 
She sits up like really like <laughs> she just swears loudly. Oh, there so, are a couple of times too. Then she takes she out her cell phone you. and turns it on in the middle of the fucking flight, which you're not supposed to do. Yeah, I'm fairly sure that's that's frowned upon. <laughs> so she's got her cell phone on and then she passes out again. Well, then a couple of times during the flight, she like pops up awake, turns to me and says something like, I didn't even know I was on an airplane. Huh? Jesus. And she just smells like booze and yesterday's garlic fries. <laughs> she smelled like uh, about 30 or 40 martini olives from earlier in the morning is what she smelled like. So, so then we finally, we get into Sacramento, we roll up and she, she like starts to wake up. And Dude, get into Sacramento and roll up. We hit the ground roughly terminal velocity. <laughs> I have never hit the ground so hard in an airplane. Like when, when all 200 passengers on your plane simultaneously go, oof, you may have landed a little hard there, captain. <laughs> so the, so she, yeah, she just the like lady in between us is like. I can't even see and he's going to kill us or something like that. And then immediately she whips out her cell phone and starts going like, fuck, fuck, fuck. (laughs) Just swearing at her cell phone. Do you have a pencil? Yeah, people are looking at her. She's like, do you have a pencil? She barks at Gordon and Gordon's like, yeah, here. Gives it to her. He's like, you can keep it. (laughs) (laughs) But she's got nothing to write on, I don't think. And she's like, my cell phone's running out of batteries, and I have to write down this number. Uh, oh, man. I was never happier to get her off the plane. <laughs> yeah. Which is too bad, because we, you know, we had an hour flight, and we couldn't really chat or anything, because we had this drunk, sleepy woman in between us. So. And not in a good way. So, yeah, that was Comic-Con for you. Yeah, Comic-Con. <laughs> so you'd go back to Comic-Con, though, as an experience? Yeah, I'd do it again. You? I absolutely would. I thought it was a lot of fun. I'm, I'm glad we were able to do it. Should we do the filthy jokes and get the hell out of here? Cool. So filthy jokes. All right. So these three mice. Oh, wait. Comic-Con. These three cartoon mice are <laughs> sitting in a bar, and they're bragging about how tough they are. And the first mouse, he uh, he looks over at the other two, and he goes, I'm so tough. When I see a mouse trap, I run right over to it and just... And I, stomp on the trigger and when that bar is coming down I grab the bar lay down on my back and I bench press it 40 or 50 times then I let it snap down pull the thing off myself again and head out of my way he just slugs his beer down slams the mug on the bar and he looks over at the other two mice the second mouse goes yeah well I'm so tough you know those decon tablets I take those things I chop them up into lines and I just do fat rails of decon (laughs) Just because I'm so tough. He finishes his beer and slams a mug down on the table. He looks over to the third mouse. Third mouse looks at him, drinks his beer, sets it down on the bar, puts on his jacket, starts to walk out. The other two mice are going, hey, where are you going there? He goes, I'm going to go home and fuck the cat. (laughs) That's pretty good. I like that. Thanks. So this man wakes up one morning. He goes out in his backyard and he kind of is, you know, looking around and... Holy shit. He notices that he's got a gorilla standing on top of his roof. And so he, he kind of quietly sneaks back in the house and doesn't know what he's going to do. So he, he gets out the phone book. He starts flipping through yellow pages. And sure enough, there's an ad in there for gorilla removers. So he calls the number and the gorilla remover says he'll be over in about 30 minutes. So the guy, you know, gets, gets ready. He's kind of watching out the window and the van pulls up. And a uh, guy gets out of the van. And so he's got a ladder, a baseball bat, a shotgun, and this just mean-ass-looking old pit bull. 
And so the homeowner says, well, well so what are you going to do? He says, well, first I'm going to put this ladder up against the roof. Then I'm going to climb up there and I'm going to knock the gorilla off of the roof with this baseball bat. Now, when the gorilla falls off, the pit bull is trained to grab the gorilla by the testicles and not let go. And then at that point, the gorilla will be subdued enough for me to put him back in the cage in the back of the van. And so then the remover hands the shotgun to the homeowner. And the homeowner says, well, what's the shotgun for? And he says, if by any chance the gorilla knocks me off the roof, shoot the dog. (laughs) Funny, but was that filthy? I don't know, but it was funny. It had testicles in it. What do you want from it? It did. Okay, that, that's filthy. As long as it's got your <laughs> filthy testicles in it. It's got my filthy testicles in it. So that has been Bone Bat Show number 30. Thank you all for listening. Our usual bullshit. Uh, you can reach the show at 206-203-3115. We love to hear from you, so call us in with your feedback. Uh, you can find new content on bonehand.com every Sunday. And you can go to mightywombat.com. Every week, a new cartoon on Thursdays. And check out my column at davislifemagazine.com once a month. Also, you can follow Bonehand on Twitter to hear my uh, blather. All right, in contest time. Fresh from the Burning of ICD release party this weekend. <laughs> it was a great show. If you missed it, you fucked up. Anyway, I've got copies of both of burning of eyes cd their brand new one nowhere is a destination also their first ep a small little shack in a big wet messing nothing so two cds will go to the person who emails in at steve at or calls us at 206-203-3115 to give us a good idea for a contest that's right it's a contest contest exactly whoever comes up with the best idea for a contest the best idea for a we'll contest. win the contest we'll and win you the know contest. what it, it, we may not actually do your contest your contest idea may be so crazy that only someone as as screwed up as vaughn at motion picture massacre would attempt to do the contest but we want to know what your best contest idea is hickory smoke contest that's so crazy <laughs> that's so crazy <laughs> how did you find my contest so that's how you win yourself up two brand spanking new burning of icds uh, two burning eyes by letting us know again the best idea for a contest 206-203-3115 or email at steve at bonehand.com uh, so that is it for this episode uh, thanks again to Barefoot Barnacle for the 8-bit music uh, it is very cool stuff and uh, these guys are awesome for uh, supporting us all this time and letting us use their music so thank you once again also I'd like to thank uh, Xenogenocide from Newgrounds.com for the tank music about uh, that you heard surrounding the Valve interview and the Castle Crashers theme also from Newgrounds.com uh, thanks to Tom and Dan for that and one last, one last, I know, we've been doing one last thing, like, for the last half hour. This is not the last thing, however, it may be the most important thing. Aurora! Exactly. Happy uh, birthday, girl. Our buddy Bit Dog gave birth, well, he didn't give birth so much as his wife, to uh, baby girl Aurora this week. Uh, welcome to the world, sweetie. Happy birthday. Also, thanks to Lano from Respawn Radio for the promo that kicked off this episode. Uh, I hit him up for an ad, and he was kind enough to actually do a customized Bombat promo. So how cool is that, man? Anyway, got to say, uh, Respawn Radio is a fantastic video game podcast. Give it a listen. And thanks again for the promo. Anything thanks. Else? That's about it. This is Gord. This is Steve. We're out of here. Bye. Bye.
So you said, hey, I got this idea about a big nutsack and some evil gnomes. Yeah, 